Superoffice podcast this uh, season, season two, is in English. And to inform all of you new listeners, this is a podcast with stories from the inside and from the outside of the Superoffice community. I will bring in different guests, I will highlight and discuss different topics, and it's all about giving you, our listeners, more info about sales, marketing, and customer service. If you like what you hear, feel free to share it with your friends, and I would be really pleased if you could uh, give us a rating in Podcaster. If you have any questions or wishes for the next episodes, just send me an email on hc at superoffice.com. By the way, I'm Hans Christian Grunslet. I'm your host for the Superoffice podcast. Listen in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new podcast in the Superoffice podcast series. Uh, today, I have a, well, I might say a house guest, a friend of the company. And uh, we will actually do something new in this podcast because uh, there are loads of uh, different reports being generated on trends in the market. And uh, one of those reports we're going to cover today. But first of all, uh, I want to uh, welcome uh, my guest. He's in a, a moving studio somewhere in Denmark, and I'm sitting in Oslo. Welcome, uh, Michael Arö. Thank you very much for uh, having me, Hans Christian. I hope you uh, have a steady course, and you know, if uh, it gets really intense, this podcast, you just need to drive over and uh, be 100% focused. I promise you that. Okay. So uh, the topic today, uh, no, before we uh, do the topic, uh, a couple of words about uh, you, Michael, and uh, the company you currently work for, uh, Implement. Uh, just give us a brief background for new listeners. Yeah, okay. So um, I work for a company called Implement. We are a, um, well, we pride ourselves of being a Nordic consulting company. We have uh, around 1,000 employees and are based in uh, Copenhagen, Oslo, and in Stockholm, and also cover uh, Germany with an office and Switzerland. And um, I work in uh, what we call commercial excellence, which is also sort of my speciality because I've been working for the last 14 years with what we call commercial acceleration or commercial transformations. So that's basically what I do and what we do. Okay, thank you. And, uh, you know, we, we need to put a disclaimer in here because uh, you have been working in SuperOffice for a long time as Managing Director in Denmark. You worked in SuperOffice uh, International and uh, currently you are actually helping us uh, uh, improve our own skills. And uh, by sharing some of these thoughts, I think that's a good motivation for our customers who are listening to this podcast as well because there are things uh, that can benefit all kind of uh, customers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Great. And what I really like is uh, performance uh, improvement and transformations. It's not just like these, you do a training, you do a course. I mean, uh, making tr true transformation, in my opinion, it really needs um, dedication, 
and hard work over time. Isn't that some of what you experience as well, Michael? Absolutely. I think that uh, we are sort of way beyond uh, the classic uh, training, sort of like more hit and run, uh, because most companies, they've been through that wave and can see that it doesn't work. So we probably need to uh, roll up our sleeves and look at this more from a transformational point of view than just a training point of view. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay, thanks. So let's go to the, to the topic of today. It's, it's a report. Um, it's, a, it's an American company. Uh, it's called Altify. And, uh, they work about customer revenue optimization. There's a report, and I'm going to share it in the show notes uh, afterwards so it can be uh, read by you guys as well. But the name is Customer Revenue Optimization, and it's a very recent study. And um, it, it tells us a little bit about that a dramatic shift is underway when it comes to, uh, to selling. And I'll read from the report just a few sentences. Uh, and it says, after a sustained period of historic growth over the last few years, successful companies are re-examining their priorities and looking for new ways to drive top-line revenue in 2019. Companies who optimize their business to adapt to the changes in the marketplace will emerge as winners, of course. And then, a little bit deep down in here, organizations are evolving their business processes and strategies to align their organizations to deliver value to the customers in every interaction. So, giving value and talking about this in all kinds of interactions because people talk about customer journeys, there's a lot of interactions, and companies like SuperOffice and our customers who sell services and products need to show value in sort of every customer interaction. So that's the topic for this summary. Any comments on it, uh, Michael? Just talk before we go into the details. Uh, well, the, the only comment I might have is that it's, it's quite interesting because uh, I, I tend to read a lot of different reports or studies. And this is actually, and this is also brand spanking new, so it, it will be interesting to see if there will be other, let's call them research companies that will follow up and maybe prove or uh, prove the, uh, on the contrary that this is not true. So it's quite interesting, uh, the angle that these guys, they have seen through the study. So that's probably my only comment so yeah. far. Uh, okay, that's a, that's a good start. Just about the, the, the report, because it is based, uh, it, it's brand new and it's based on 684 respondents. It's quite extensive, the report, so the validity probably is uh, relevant for uh, most companies. And I can also see that um, half of these are actually into sales and marketing. And that's the core uh, people we uh, talk and help uh, as well. And uh, I can also see that uh, uh, the main uh, age of these people are between 35 and 50. So there should be a lot of um, decision makers in there. Uh, and there are some uh, millennials below and some uh, above, of course. And then, you know, all these uh, things, is it relevant for Europe? I think that uh, some 70% comes from America and rest uh, basically from Europe. And I think that Americans tend to be a little bit different than Europe, but what often comes first in USA often comes to Europe anyway. So maybe we're, uh, it's, it's early, but it's good to, to look at these type of reports. 
Okay, so the big takeaway, uh, let's go from the top here. And it says that revenue growth is now on top priority. Uh, and it used to be uh, like CX, but, but uh, if you go into the revenue growth, it is split between, uh, it's more focused on getting actually new customers rather than what has been that you focus more on your existing customers. So that may, might be some of this shift, don't you think? Uh, what's your comment on that, Michael? I think it's uh it's quite interesting that uh, these guys they claim that revenue growth is 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 new because if you look at uh, other studies and studies that are way bigger when it comes to the population they're researching for instance if you look at uh, a study from or the global study from CSO insights which these guys they've been doing uh, 23 years consecutive studies around sales and marketing and they have for the last like three or five years or something like that they also talk about the top priority for companies is to grow revenue what i think is actually new in this report is that it's it's the twist on growing revenue because these guys they talk about revenue optimization and it's the way that you have to grow the revenue which is maybe not new but it's a new it's, it requires some new focus areas so to speak mm. And then I can see that uh, new customer acquisition is top of, of this. The customer experience is uh, the second, which is really growing from fourth place to second place. Uh, and then you have revenue from existing customers on third, uh, number of qualified opportunities after that, and then you have the opportunity win rate. So, so really this going for new accounts seems to be uh, fairly important. Yeah, um, basically, again, not really a, a, a real new thing. I think that um, the, the claim that uh, that customer retention is not out, but is has a less priority and, and the revenue growth has a higher priority. I think it's sure we have 670 people participating in this study. But if you look at many other studies, um, they will say that um, it's probably a sort of half-half, uh, meaning that uh, they have equal importance uh, that retaining customers and growing customers, and then of course growing the business through uh, either uh, acquisition of new customers or, by of course, cross or upselling to existing ones. So, yeah, and, and they point out that you know optimizing the growth starts with people, uh, and more and more companies understand that they have to provide provide effective tools and technology to boost that productivity. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. I think that um, if if you take sort of a, a deeper look at what's in the report, what I really find to be extremely interesting is how they actually sort of uh, distill uh, revenue optimization slash growth into what it actually requires and and quite some levers that they uh, they say that we need to uh, be able to handle or be, be able to twist and one of them of course being that we need to be more effective in the way we sell and and the big question is of course what does sales effectiveness mean and um, if, if you look at sales effectiveness and also in the report they they sort of carve out, carve out a couple of things that is extremely important and one thing being um, the ability to reduce the sales cycle, they, they refer to this as the velocity. And it's basically, there are many different things that can um, help us improve our revenue or grow our revenue. But there's one thing that's quite interesting actually, and that if you play around with that number, the, um, the sales cycle length, 
Uh, what I've seen is if you can just cut out, let's say, 5% of that sales cycle, it has a huge impact on at least if you look in, let's say, just a fiscal year as a, as a sort of a target. Um, so that's quite an interesting sort of focus area that we that these guys are claiming that customers are focusing on now, mm. being one of the uh, things. Yeah, and what would be, you know, typical thing, uh, in, in your opinion, that could reduce the sale, sales cycle? It's not only one thing, I guess. No, there's probably not only one thing, but um, I think that... Um, what, what will reduce sales? How can you get customers to, um, to sign off faster if they want to sign off? I think that based on also what you shared in the beginning, in the, in the intro, the whole focus on value, when you can see as a company, when you can see the business value, it creates like this interesting sense of urgency because here's the thing, just, to, just for the fun of it, if, if you can get a customer to see that he could do, let's say, 12 million, not more uh, through your solution, then if you sort of change the, the whole wording and say, okay, so you can spend all the time you want sort of waiting and discussing when you want to sign this off. But I just need to remind you that every month that will go up or pass along, you're actually losing one million nook. And then suddenly it's, it's a completely different game. And I think that one of the drivers behind shortening the sales cycle is showing the customer the cost of status quo or the cost of doing nothing because it will cost the customer something. So that can just be one thing, uh, but there are also other sort of things we have to do or can do. Yeah, sure. Uh, I can also see in this uh, report, you know, uh, you know, optimizing for growth starts with people, and people is really important in this uh, matter. After that comes technology and process and knowledge, and at the very low end, it comes culture. People and culture, in my opinion, yeah. they, they fit together sort of. Uh, is there a mis mismatch that people believe more in people than culture or doesn't it belong together? Yeah, I, I would say so. And it's also what, what's really sort of uh, an, answer that's, an answer that we cannot find in the report is what do they actually mean about culture? Because again, to, um, to really drive, let's call it aggressive, sustainable growth or revenue growth, you need, uh, you can, it's not just about the tools and it's not just about the people. It's also about the DNA or the culture of the company or the culture of the people. So I think it's sort of, um, it's, it's part of the whole equation or the setting that you need to have to make, well, really meet sort of aggressive targets. You need a, a kind of a culture or you need to build a culture around it. Yeah, they, they are focusing on what I can see is that, you know, the knowledge transfer, that's important part of it. Uh, the training, yeah. ongoing training, and of course, like you mentioned in the beginning, the coaching uh, of the teams on a running yeah. basis. Yeah, that's actually quite an interesting thing because, um, uh, again, going back to, let, let's look at how other um, research organizations actually back up what this uh, study says. And, and if you look at coaching, um, uh, was it like less than a year ago, uh, there was a big study released by, by, again, CSO Insights, and it had such a cool, I, I just loved that the sort of the title of the study of the report. It says, sales managers overwhelmed and underdeveloped. And what actually, what we, what we can read from that report is basically, it's really important to invest in your salespeople. It's always been important to invest in training, but what is even more important and a place where most companies actually fail, you guys are under-investing in your sales managers, so they basically don't have the right skills to coach the salespeople. And in the report, 
what also comes out is actually that if you have or if you give the sales managers the right capabilities you will see like huge improvements when it comes to revenue growth or profit growth or whatever because it's, it's so much more powerful than regular sales training and I think that's really also what they put into this report is that that this is an, an important ingredient um, if you really want to grow revenue. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, and actually, I can I've heard about many companies where they focus on the sales training of the salespeople, but then they sort of take for granted that the sales managers and the coaches are up to speed on everything. But you know, they have their own patterns, and they might have to unlearn and learn again to sort of uh, fit on it. And then you have this train-the-trainer concept that might uh, boost or, or, or give him even more optimization, like you say. Yeah, I, what I say is that here's sort, I have sort of this saying, if you want to change an organization, you need to change the conversation. So it's basically, you can boil it down to, what are the conversations a sales manager, he or she is having on either a daily, weekly, or monthly basis with the sales reps. What does that conversation look like? Is it really a coaching conversation that where this person is actually um, working with um, uh, opportunity coaching or skills coaching or pipeline coaching? Are they really coaching the people? Are they having the right conversation? And it sounds so goddamn simple, but it's really difficult to have the right conversation, so to speak. Yes, uh, I'm sure. And it's... Um... I've been in that position myself, and uh, you know, you 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 get inspired, and then you get on with new stuff, and then all of a sudden, it's very easy to fall back into the the same old, same old. So, uh, yeah, you really need to be interested in the change as well, and uh, you know, be curious about what's going on and what's working. And and there is a concept uh, I work a lot with, which is called growth hacking. Uh, Actually, doing small things, testing small things. Um, it could be testing uh, an email, uh, how you how you organize the email in order to get movement in the sales process, uh, instead of having one way and then uh, using that all the time. So you need to be able to experiment more, maybe. Yeah, that's that's true. I think the uh, the whole concept of uh, doing hacks. Uh, I know that most people, when they hear hacking, they they sort of think about uh, dodgy people hacking uh, sites or whatever, but but doing small things uh, with which might have huge impacts. It's like uh, it's minimal viable product. What's what's the least thing you can do? And and if it's if it's something that's failing, then goddamn it, fail fast, right? And then get up on the high horse and try something new. So I yeah. like the idea of growth hacking. Yeah, growth hacking and uh, or experiments. That's what you're actually small testing experiments yeah. and moving on. Uh, well, the, we're drifting off a little bit. That's my fault. But, uh, you know, that's uh, the interesting part with having a podcast. You can drift on in different directions. Okay, the next point here is uh, talk about digital transformation. Uh, continue to disrupt the business landscape. And, you know, uh, we have an international audience and the, the digital transformation is different from country to country. But it's on everybody's lips. Uh, can it still be that uh, di disruptive uh, in many cases? Are people la lagging behind in the transformation? Well, I think it's, um, here's the funny thing about digital transformation. Um, I know it's the new black, but uh, a couple of years ago, we were talking about um, 
we were talking being disrupted, and, and then we talked about subscriptions, and, and then we talked about the increasing competition and so forth. So I, I think that the digital transformation is just another stress factor that will stress most companies and their um, uh, sort of the, the executive level. Oh, we need to be we need to digital transform our business, and nobody really knows what it is. And I think there are many different takes on what it actually is. I think it's, for me, it's it's just about being much more data driven. It's actually using the information or making an effort in capturing relevant information and putting that information into business somehow, whatever that is. And and you guys know that because um, you guys are experts in CRM. And, 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 and if you work with the CRM system, you're capturing tons of information about customers or sales people's behavior. And if you combine that data with other data from maybe websites or your ERP system, then suddenly you're onto something. You're actually transforming your business by using all these digital footprints and putting it into action by having certain activities run or whatever centered around these, uh, these digital footprints. So I, I think, yeah, sure, it's, I, I don't know if it's disrupting the landscape as these guys. I, I just think that you need to uh, you need to tap into that digital transformation wave. You, know, you need to stay on the wave, uh, maybe not in front of it, but at least be a part of the wave. Yes, uh, that's right. And, and it's also about automi- uh, automating uh, stuff in your company. And, uh, of course, what you say is take uh, or make the data you have available and make it to use because uh, it gives you enormous insights uh, uh, that gives you the edge, especially when you want to give value back to your uh, customers. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Um, come on. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I was just like, again, um, yeah, I think, again, the, the whole digital transformation, I think that I don't know who invented that stupid word or that stupid sort of uh, a wave, but it, it's, it's always been there. I, I just remember a couple of years ago, uh, again, going back to talking about reports, uh, most reports, when you look into reports about sales and buying behavior, they just mentioned the word sales intelligence. I just think that it was too uh, nerdy. So, uh, so it was replaced by digital transformation. <laughs> so, so sales intelligence just by putting putting information or data about your customers or potential customers into much better use, and arming the sales force with um, with with information that will aid them uh, when they're on their quest, will aid them or help them uh, reduce the sales cycle or increase their win rates and stuff like that because they have much better information about the customers and the potential customers. Exactly. And I guess also making uh, the customer journey, all the touch points, making them frictionless uh, with the use of technology, yep. making people more, uh, making uh, making it e- more easy to do uh, business with your company is also part of this, of course. Absolutely. And there's, an, there's actually an interesting take on that. And that is uh, just what I've seen over the last year or so is that everybody's pretty much afraid of, uh, you know, uh, the digital buyer and everything happens online and, and we get included at the very end of the buyer sales pro- uh, buying process. But what you actually see um, recent studies is the fact that um, buyers are actually engaging with sellers much earlier than before, meaning that, sure, they have access to a vast amount of information on the internet and it's valid, it's high quality, but suddenly it's like human beings are like a scarce resource and when something is scarce it's like you know the demand mm. thing then it's it, it's it's much more interesting to actually speak to a human being so um, that's an interesting trend actually in this 
world of digital transformation. Yes, because, you know, uh, the, the chatbot industry as well experiences this because you can go very far and maybe you can take 5 or 10 or 15 percent of all the requests or questions a company has, but the real type of value thing that requires human, that should be uh, available and maybe they will get more time uh, for the quality issues and then they can automate the uh, bread and butter uh, questions. Yeah, I think that, that of course technology is evolving very fast, and, but you can only do so much. We, we still need to remember we're talking about, pardon my friends, goddamn machines, and they're stupid. They do what they're programmed for, but they don't know, they, they don't, they, they cannot handle a curveball that someone suddenly throws at you. That's what human beings can do because we have empathy, uh, we have situational awareness, and stuff like that. And the same th thing goes with sales. I, I find it very hard to see salespeople being more or less replaced by chatbots and AI and all that stuff because it's such a tricky thing when people are communicating and it's, it, and it's even more tricky if you communicate with a machine. So <laughs> That's right. You had a very interesting uh, expression there, uh, Michael, curveball. I think, what do you mean by a curveball? Because uh, when you get, grasp that concept, it's like, wow, how can you impress and upsell or uh, educate your customers in a pretty cool way? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that I think the curveball works in many ways. It's just like this unexpected, unexpected sort of uh, incident that just happens in the middle of something. Uh, I remember I read an interesting. Uh, uh, I'll kind like this short. I, I read an interesting story about a, a dad that was in um, one of the, the American amusement parks with his son, and he, he the son he's been looking forward to try a certain activity for for a whole year, and when they finally got there and they got sort of past the queue, just then they found out that he was actually too short. You had to be like I don't know 1.2 meters, and th this this little guy was just too small. So of course his whole world broke down. And, and this guy from, from the amusement park immediately stepped in and, and uh, tried to sort of um, remedy the whole thing by offering a, um, a voucher for, for another sort of a, uh, activity in, in the amusement park. But, but it wasn't, and that was, of course, that was a total, like, it's what, it was not a curveball that was thrown, but the curveball was that he tried to, because he was trained to do that, and surely you can also train human beings. But if it was like a robot, it wouldn't be able to see that it offered him something, him something like a band-aid or remedy, but it still didn't work. So in this case, in the story, the uh, the guy working at that amusement park, he actually offered something different, something out of the ordinary. I don't remember what it was, but it was something that wasn't really scripted. And that's what human beings can do. And it also goes with sales. You can you can have you can train a robot, you can train salespeople, but sometimes you know it's not the way it works in real life. And you need to be able to be agile and flexible when someone throws you a curveball, something that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. And if you grow that, send it back, then you can really monetize on it. And I think uh, the key thing here might be the word empathy, which is not a robot's strongest point. No, yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's move on here. Um, uh, it says in the, these guys are very positive, or the eight, uh, 683 respondents are. They, the outlook is very bright, it says. Uh, but then they also say that there is a change because, as you mentioned, uh, salespeople are not considered objective enough. They might be skilled and, you know, all that type of thing, and they will listen to you if you have skills and knowledge. But they also put more uh, emphasis on 
peers. I mean, uh, colleagues from the same industry with different um, that that has the same uh, pain points uh, that they want to talk to, uh, influencers and stuff like that. Uh, is that something that you you see as well? Like the expertise, yeah, word of mouth, it, but I, yeah. expertise, word of mouth, yeah, and I, reputation, I, I, and you know, all of that is highly valued. I see it, but I don't see it, to be very honest, and I think that I, I travel pretty far around in Europe and in, also in the States, I don't see it to the extent that it's, it's mentioned in this report. What I, what I do see is I'm, I'm quite sure that they're sort of on the right track, these guys, and remember again, we have 600 plus people actually saying this. Um, I think it's probably on the rise, and, and I think that it, it so, so, how, so how can we maneuver in such a landscape if we're in sales, if... Um, if most of the influence or maybe the influence decision comes from someone that's not me, uh, it's actually another company, another guy, uh, another peer. And I think that it sort of boils down to something that is it's a, it's a pretty old thing-ish. I, I just read a, a study recently where it mentioned that more than 70% of salespeople, when they have a good relationship with the customer or when they close an account or whatever, most of them, 70% of them, they never ask for a referral. They never ask a customer to do something for them like that. And I think that could be actually a good starting point, actually to ask a customer for a referral, ask a, ask a peer maybe to be sort of part of that referral, not just using the referral yourself. And so I think that's, that's probably something old and something new, but I don't see to that extent um, that we see in the report. But again, hmm. statistically, they're probably right. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, that's the way most companies work. You try to make your own customers successful and by having them using your products or services uh, and reaching their targets, uh, they will uh, start talking about uh, this when they are asked. And, uh, you know, people are more into yeah. generating business case studies and stuff like that so that you really can pinpoint yeah. the value that people get out of uh, services yeah. and products. Okay, so yeah. so we're, we're uh, concluding a little bit here, but the sales priorities, I think that uh, sale, you mentioned it, sales effectiveness is the core focus for revenue optimization. And it says something about being more effective like we started with. Value needs need to be demonstrated in every interaction. So this value thing, it comes back to this uh, how to, you know, uh, get that dialogue going with the customer, uh, pinpointing, really calculating uh, ROI and stuff like that. It's a never-ending and recurring topic. Uh, how can we become better in this, uh, uh, Michael? Yeah, I think it's, it's quite interesting because you call it really a recurring topic, and it is a recurring topic. It's been it's been haunting us for years and years in sales, but somehow we've been able to sort of avoid it. We talk about it, but we don't do it. Meaning, just like sex, yeah. right? There are way too many people talking about it, and they're probably not doing it. So I think what what it also is a fact is that now we need to sort of do it. But the, the question is, of course, what what does it require to do it? And I think that from what I see is that in sales we need to be way more consultative. We need, to be, we need to be able to not just say, hey, my customer, he or she has a problem, I have a fix for it. We need to find out, okay, there is a problem, okay, but what are the underlying reasons? Why is the problem there? Can we fix these underlying reasons? And there might be two or three reasons why, 
what could be the consequence if we just fix one reason? So being also more explorative on the underlying reasons. And it, and I know for a fact that that's actually what you guys are actually working with at the moment, the super office being way better at truly understanding the customer's problem and be able to articulate the value together with the customer. And it's not a tedious task. It's actually something that's extremely difficult. Yeah, but you just need to, uh, to start doing it. And uh, this also uh, improves your skill set when you, when you do it. But you have to do some training, of course, uh, on this topic as well. I'm here. Are you still there? Are you in the tunnel now or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually not in the tunnel, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> okay, well, that's the thing with... Uh... Sorry for that. No, no worries, yeah, no worries. That, that's... So what I was just saying was that, uh, yeah, it, it is extremely difficult. And, and we can, of course, discuss back and forth how difficult it is, but we need to start doing something about it. That's probably the main thing. And sure, um, and I don't think it's just the tr a training thingy. It's back to what you mentioned about what about the culture? It's also it needs to be part of our culture that we that we will we really strive and try to articulate and find out if the solution services that we have how they can impact the customer's business. That it needs to be part of our DNA. Um, so it's, it's it's a bit more than training, I would say. Yeah, it's going to be a part of your. Uh you know, daily visiting uh, of your customers. But but how do, you know, yep. coming salespeople. Now I'm a sales guy and I'm, I got all the power people stacked up in the room and, uh, you know, it's challenging. There's a lot of things to, to work on and then you should do this. I mean, do they expect this uh, posh, uh, re ready uh, sales guy or are they more, ex um, I mean, do they accept having this consultative approach, uh, asking questions, coming back to it, or should it be a workshop with more people involved? Uh, because you need to, to gain the trust from the customer, right? Yeah, that's true. I don't think that it needs to be a workshop. I think that it's, it's yeah, sure, it's definitely about asking questions, but not just stupid questions. It's about asking the right questions. And they are sort of like, they have two angles. One. They, they challenge the customer. So it, it, it's like, wow, that was really an interesting and tricky question. So, because that also proves to the customer that it's, it's well thought out. It's not such stupid questions. So how many people do you have? And what kind of, what, how many subsidiaries? And what do you guys do? But, but questions that challenge and at the same time drive together finding the mutual value of a solution. And, and again, it's so goddamn difficult. But it just needs to be done. And, and that's actually what they expect. They expect a consultative approach. They expect a lot from us. And uh, is it fair? No. But it's just the way it is. Suck it up. And we just need to be more consultative. Yeah. But, but I guess uh, or I know for a fact that when you do that, it will be a lot more interesting to be that sales or consulting type uh, salesperson. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, at least I think that um, we're sort of... Um, there's probably still a bit room left for, for the old kind of salespeople. But I think what I see is the new generation of, of salespeople, actually um, many of them very well educated, coming directly out of university and maybe going into the first sales job. And they have a completely different approach on this because they're already prepped. Let's say they have a financial study behind them from the university. They already think and, and, and think business and, and they want to apply what they've learned uh, in, in, in real life. And I think that these guys, 
at least that's also what I've seen working with a lot of what I call graduates is that these guys are they just go straight to point to the point they don't weave around they do don't use old sales techniques or tricks or whatever they have real business conversations and I think that it's so inspiring to see young people do that yeah that's that's really nice and of course uh, the, the value of uh doing uh, uh, proper research uh, uh, and then when you have uh, maybe you, you you target a specific group uh, or a type of companies then that means you will learn more from the industry and the business and from one meeting you will learn bring it on to the next meeting and then you'll have a stack of uh, quite st uh, standard pain points and maybe you know which reasons which ask, which questions to to ask for the right reasons as well. It gives you, uh, of course, yeah. more more experience. Yeah, true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. OK, great. Um, well, uh, we're on 37, so I think we should uh, maybe round it up. So uh, these guys are quite positive. Uh, and that's a good thing for, uh, for companies like uh, ours and other companies, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. You, you can you can you can you can see this from two different angles. Yes, I think, and I totally agree. I think the business outlook is positive. Here's another twist on it. Perspectives. Look at this from from two different perspectives. One, outlook is positive, and I totally agree. This is great. It's great for all companies across industries. Here's another angle on it is so positive then you know investors board members executives they will put even more pressure on their organizations to grow because there's such a big opportunity out there to grow and that's just the way it is right even in the most positive things you'll find stuff that's negative <laughs> but on the other side when you have these challenges continuous aggressive whatever growth it um you companies need to invest and that's where vendors or Salespeople or suppliers come into play because they need to do something, they need to change something, change the organization, change the platforms or the systems that they use to, to maintain the, the aggressive growth. So it's quite an interesting uh, time we're in at the moment, I would say. So, Michael, thanks for all these uh, wise uh, words. Uh, giving the report in perspective is really interesting, and I hope our, our listeners uh, share that uh, uh, joy as well. But to wrap it all up, uh, I'd like you to, you know, give uh, give an advice. Uh, number one, uh, for the sales managers, and then after that, for the sales guys out there and girls, of course. So, what would you say would be a key takeaway for sales managers to focus on? I think that um, when it comes to sales managers, and uh, it might sound a bit sort of cheesy, I know, haven't we heard that before, but going back to, to the study I referred to in, in our conversation, sales managers overwhelm and underdeveloped. I think that we, we truly need to invest in our sales managers. We truly need to give them the right skill set, the ability to do right or valuable opportunity coaching, pipeline coaching, and they need to drive the conversation with the salespeople in a, in a different way that they've done before. Not because I say so, but, but because what we've seen and what has been proven is that if you do that, you'll see quite interesting performance improvements in revenue or profit. So I would say invest and do something around sales management. But just, uh, um, just a yep. question, uh, what type, you say it drive the conversation with the sales guys, what exactly do you 
put into that? Yeah, you know, well, I, what I've experienced, um, quite interesting things with, with different global companies that I've been working with uh, over the last two years. We have actually sort of um, tried to install, let's call it a special room where you have these special, maybe monthly conversation. You center them around certain opportunities. And, and that that room, that, that one hour that I spent with you as a sales rep, it, it serves two purposes. One is about having a conversation about how you get to win even more. How can we work with your opportunities and make you a success? And, and on the other side, it's at the same time, it's a training arena because by having the right conversations, I'm also teaching you to fish instead of helping you doing the fishing. I think that it's, it's about, again, back to if you want to change an organization, you need to change the conversation. Yeah, you I mentioned... That we have way too... Yeah, sorry, go on. You mentioned a room, but I think uh, what kind of room? A war room? Uh, a training room? Yeah, it could be a war room. Yeah, it could be a physical room, but it could also be a Skype room. It's just sort of this could be a mental picture of a room. But but again, it's it's having this let's not not a safe space, but it's a space where we know exactly what we're talking about. We know that where we why we are there. And there are certain let's call them. I, I hate to use the word. There are certain techniques the sales managers use to drive or to add value to the conversation with the sales rep. So when he leaves the room, the rep being like, wow, it was an interesting conversation I had with HC. Um, now I know exactly what to do to win these opportunities. I also learned something. So I think that's, it's, and it's, it's a way of handing over knowledge or, or giving away, or teach people something without having to go through a, let's say, formal sales training. Okay, you just gave me an idea for a topic for a new podcast, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> okay so so uh, thanks for that and then what about the sales guys and girls girls what do they need to to focus on well also maybe a bit cheesy but um hey i would say embrace technology there are way too many salespeople that are afraid of the technology and they're like whoa we have ai we have bots we have crm we have sales enablement systems i, I would say embrace the technology because finally i think we're at a stage where for instance, CRM systems with all the right relevant data, hopefully and finally, I think that salespeople can see that it's actually, it actually gives them value. It's, they can use the data in the systems to be even more successful. So I would say immerse yourself into, into the technology and, and, and be creative and playful and see what you can use it for. Uh, because what you will see, what will come out of that is even more success in sales. Mm, sounds uh, sounds like a dream come true, uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, I I fully understand, and I hope our listeners do too, and I'm sure they do because they're interested in superoffice and CRM. So uh, I guess um, this concludes our episode today, Michael. Did we cover everything you wanted to say? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's all about what kind of questions you ask. So I hope that I answered the questions at least. <laughs> well, I think you did a great job. And I just want to thank you again for having you on the podcast. I'm sure uh, we will meet again. Well, that's uh, what we had today, uh, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'm um, sorry there was a bit, uh, some glitches and uh, bad quality in some of the recording. Hope you can bear with that. We're constantly working on improving stuff like that. 
I hope you have a great uh, day and night and evening. And tomorrow is the final day of closing for October. And I hope you enjoy Halloween as well. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. I have an exciting friend from the Netherlands. So stay tuned and learn more. And keep learning. That's the key to success. Thank you.